Maybe seated. And uh, children, uh, three years old through or kindergarten through third grade. I knew there was a three in there. Kindergarten through third grade. You're welcome to children and worship uh, through there. Thank you. Uh, thanks, uh, band. I uh, that last that last song is a perfect song for just this journey through the the Gospel of Mark. And uh, I just uh, well, Mike actually pointed me to it. Ah, a couple of months ago, and uh, I'm like, ah, I really like the words to this song. I don't, um, I couldn't, ma- and, and even, I can maybe even dance to it a little bit. It feels like American Bandstand. Um, but I said, hey, um, uh, Daryl, can can the band uh, play that? And he said, sure. And then I, I talked to Cedric Winston. I go, hey, so how'd the new song go? He's like, oh, it was really good, but you know, there's no music anywhere. To it, there's no chords or notes or anything like that. So we just had to listen to it a lot and then write the chords and notes for ourselves. And I'm like, wow, that's yeah, that's even more more impressive um, uh, from y'all. So thanks for that sacrifice of. Uh, um, to, to play that because what we are going to look at today is uh, as we start this gospel, the, the walking through the gospel of Mark, um, we're, we're going to see that, that Jesus is better than, than whatever else we finish the sentence with. Uh, Jesus is better than death. He's better than than sin. Uh, Jesus is better than the, the devil. He's better than the old ways that we've done it. He's better than our capacities and ability. Jesus is the one that leads to life and the fullness of his kingdom impacts every area of our lives. And there is not an area of our life that is not better with Jesus than without. And that's what we'll, we'll look at as we walk through this, um, uh, through, through the, the beginning part of Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 9. It's on the 812 in your pew Bible. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, gracious God, thank you for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us. Now may your spirit, um, Open uh, our mind, open our, our heart, open our very souls to receive from you, to hear from you, to be encouraged, to be, to be challenged so that we might live into the fullness more and more of, of your kingdom, of your way of life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, um, Mark uh, chapter 1. Now, the, the uh, first um, interesting thing about Mark um, is you know, he doesn't really have any Christmas story. Um, uh, uh, he, he starts right off with John the Baptist in the, uh, the first uh, eight pages, and then Jesus comes on the scene here in verse 9. So in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels 
waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so um, we'll just walk. There's really four sections here that if you open your Bible, it also points them out. The baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, and then his first call to the first disciples is making his, the beginning part of making his team of developing the church even then. And so the first part, the baptism of Jesus, what we'll see here is that Jesus is better than the old ways. That Jesus is better than Israel. That's, um, Mark has a lot of, of things where he focuses back on some of the Old Testament stories. That, that if you don't know the Old Testament, you, you wouldn't um, see it uh, very, very well. But for Mark and Mark's readers in his day, they, they would have known the Old Testament really well and it would just come right to their mind. So what we're told, so John, he's the one that's preparing the way. God has set him aside. So he's, he's making the announcement. He's doing all the advanced marketing and advertising. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he comes to John and says, you need to, to baptize me. And so he comes to John and he baptizes them in, in the, the river Jordan. And as he comes up, out of the water, then it's a, the, the presence of God, the Father and the Holy Spirit. So the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right there in that moment. Jesus comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove. We talked about this a, a couple months ago as we were walking through the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus is fully God and fully human. Um, and because he's fully human, it's necessary for the Holy Spirit to be upon him for him and his humanity to then carry out the miraculous work that he does as we'll see unfolded as we walk through the gospel of Mark. And then the voice from the Father that says, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. So this is God's call upon Jesus. Him setting Him aside as the way, the truth, and the life. And what you'll, uh, you, you see here, the next thing He does is He goes then into the wilderness. The Spirit, we're told, casts Him out into the wilderness. Well, the, the story of Israel is similar here. That Israel is freed from slave, freed from Egypt. And it goes through the waters, the Red Sea, and then heads into the wilderness for 40 years. Now, Jesus' temptation then is 40 days. That he goes in the wilderness. 
And what we see at the end of those 40 days, Jesus has met with the devil and the wild beasts, we're told, attended to by angels, but he comes through the baptism and the temptations victorious. That he did not succumb to the temptations of the devil himself while he was in the wilderness for those 40 days. Hence, Mark is saying, Jesus is better than the old way. Jesus is better than Israel. Jesus is better than the devil. Jesus is better than whatever temptations we face. Now, let's just think about these temptations just for a moment. Um, so he's 40 days in the wilderness with the, the devil himself. Can you even begin to imagine? You know, it's sort of, I fly through that and I stop to think, you know, I considered it a huge victory, an epic victory that I made it through Friday, National Donut Day, without having a donut. That was a huge success. Can you imagine if the evil one himself, evil personified, took you by yourself for 40 days and threw at you your greatest temptations? That's the battle that Jesus faced for 40 days. I wouldn't have made four seconds, let alone 40 days. But Jesus is presenting to us here as well that the battle, the battle is spiritual. Yeah, that the, there, there's a, a spiritual element. The, the opponent is the devil. As Paul tells us, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers of evil. And Jesus is greater than whatever evil faces us. Now, you might wonder, well, what, what are these wild beasts? Mark's the only one that really talks about wild beasts. And you, you, again, there's references throughout wild beasts in, in the Old Testament in some places that probably Mark's referring to. But I think he's talking about the spiritual and the physical. You know, there, there's the devil, you know, sort of the, the spiritual one that, you know, is, is, is there that we can't see or touch or, or feel. But there's also just the element of the wild beast, the, the powers of this world that oppose the ways of God. And, and Jesus now comes through then his baptism and temptations, facing all the evils of the devil, facing all the evils that the world can throw at him. And he now has is presented as victorious, as the one who is even better than sin, better than any power of this world. And those are the battles that Jesus will lead us into. Now, Jesus will, uh, Jesus will oppose, as we walk through this, the ways of the synagogue. He's going to oppose the religious practices of the day that don't align with the ways of the kingdom. He's going to oppose the way the family can pull away from following the kingdom. He's going to oppose the way businesses, government, Caesar himself, can oppose the ways of the kingdom. He's going to oppose sickness as it opposes the ways of the kingdom of God. He's going to oppose hunger. 
as it can oppose. Those are some of the wild beasts, the powers of this world. And Jesus is victorious. He is better than all of those as well. And so now he's presented as the one who is better. Now he's going to invite others to follow along. He has conquered all evil. He is living fully in the, the presence of God. Part of the reason that he was baptized is because it was an act of submission, of obedience to the Father. And, and he's, he's showing us that way and now is on the victory stand. And he turns now to the crowd that is gathered and gives now. He's been prepared. Now he has his proclamation. Now is his message. And his message is to bring good news. And is that his good news is better than the ways of the world. That His good news is better than the ways of the world. And I want to spend a little bit of time here. Because I think this, this, these two verses are the theme of this gospel. They are, as Mark has, has put this together, brought these events together, he has done it with a purpose in mind. And this, I think, is his purpose. Um, that, uh, that Jesus is now proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in this good news. All right, so yeah, so the, the, um, John has, has been arrested. So John's preparing the way. He's now he's no longer on the scene. Now Jesus is given full spotlight, and he is proclaiming this good news. Now, good news. Let's just uh, hang with that. That's one word. Um, it's the word uh, that is gospels. The same word. You know, where, where it says the gospel according to Mark, that's the good news according to Mark. They are the same word. They're the word that we get evangelism from, or evangelical, if you've heard that word. That is from good news. So evangelicals are people of the good news of Jesus, of Jesus' kingdom. Evangelists are people who are focusing on sharing this good news with those that don't know it. They are good newsers. And that's what this good news... So he's saying, here's the gospel. Here's the gospel. Here is this good news. And this. And these, well, what is it? What's this good news? What is the gospel? The gospel is this, that the kingdom of God is here. It is near. It is at hand. It is in me. Jesus is the good news personified. And now he's going to invite other people to be a part of this kingdom. This kingdom of God. This kingdom. What does that mean? This kingdom of God. Well, it's the the reign of God. R-E-I-G-N. The rule of God. The absolute sovereignty of God. That God is in control perfectly. That's what the kingdom of God is. When we say the, the Lord's Prayer, if you know the, the Lord's Prayer, what, do, what, what does Jesus tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. And then he explains, well, what's the kingdom? As it is in heaven will be done on earth. He said it the other way, on earth as it is in heaven. But you get the point. The, 
Heaven now has broken into earth. The ways of God, God ruling and reigning is now upon us. And it is in Jesus. And he's now inviting others to come along in this way. So that this kingdom, this way of, the, of, of God is better than the way of the world. Because it has conquered death. It has conquered sin. It has conquered the devil himself. Now, what... Well, sometimes we, we think that the gospel, we, we, we get too focused on the word gospel and good news. And we think it is only Jesus on the cross and maybe also in the resurrection. Yeah, and we focus just on that. But that's not what he says here. No, the, the, it's the kingdom is upon us. Now, the cross is central to that kingdom. It is, it is where Jesus ultimately finally destroys evil and its impact on our relationship with God. And it's where he demonstrates his very power even over death itself. But to say that the gospel is just the cross is, well, there's a couple things there. One is that's because we over-individualize the gospel. We, we, we forget that Jesus has faced the devil himself and all that the devil does and the wild beasts of this world. And we then hone in and say, well, it's just about me being forgiven and you being forgiven. Praise the Lord. Let's go home. You know, it's over-individualized that it's just about saving souls to be with God someday yonder. But that's not what he's saying here. This, this kingdom is much bigger than that. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. It's like, it's like saying that if we just say that the the kingdom of God is, the gospel, this good news is just Jesus on the cross and his resurrection and my individual forgiveness. It's like saying a car is just an engine. Yeah, we could have just an engine, but we're not getting anywhere on it. You know, it's not going to take, that's not what it is. It's the, it's the whole car is the kingdom. Now the engine is absolutely crucial, necessary part, but it's not the only part of the kingdom. Yeah, so the, the kingdom of God is here and it is to invade every part of our lives. Every element of our, and that's what we're going to see as we, we walk through this. It invades every element of our lives. It, it will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, um, we, uh, had an example of that just this last Wednesday night. We had a, a, a program, you know, the, the pictures in the atrium, if you notice them uh, as you walked in or they've been up for the last month. If you haven't noticed them as you've walked through, be sure to stop and look at them. Uh, it's, you know, by, by now, maybe they've become like billboards on Coleraine. You know, you just sort of go through them. But Wednesday was a great, um, uh, great program because what we, we did was we... Um, uh, it tells the story, what the pictures tell, and Wednesday the story was told, of in our own history as, as a city, um, what happened in the part of the city called the West End, the neighborhood of the, the West End. That's what these pictures are of. There was a, um, and, uh, um, 
it tells the story of how that part of uh, West End was destroyed for um, an industrial park and then ultimately for I-75 to come through. And sort of what happened to the 25,000 people that lived there? Because all these pictures are buildings and homes and businesses that used to be where Queensgate Industrial Park is and where I-75 is. Well, my I've opened it, and my first thing was to answer the question, why would the church hold this kind of gathering? Why would the, the church have these kind of pictures? And what, I didn't use these words, but basically I said, because it's the kingdom of God that we're about. And that kingdom of God infiltrates every area of life. And what we have here is, in our own history, evil. Because what, what happened in uh, um, our history was the West End in 1960, when this happened about, um, was well, 75% of the black people who live in Cincinnati lived in the West End. It was de facto segregation. And of the part of the West End, the lower part of the West End that these pictures are of, that part was 97% black. And so city planners who had great intent, they had positive intent, they said, hey, these are slums right here. We'll destroy them. We'll find you better places to live. And then we'll put residential park and interstate. And that'll really you know, help the city and it'll help you too. Well, what we heard were stories on Wednesday of families who, who were separated from their business and from their workplace and from their home and from their schools and the social structures that they knew. And largely a lot of those folks that lived there were poor. And so then they had to be displaced and those structures and supports then were ripped apart and they ended in different places. The part I didn't, and that, that in of itself is, is evil enough. The thing I didn't think about, and obviously the people that we're planning it didn't think about was it there was a, a city office that was there to help these now they were basically internal refugees you know in the city and, and where they were going to live the problem was when they tried to move into them into other neighborhoods they weren't welcomed the the politicians got so much pushback from some of the neighborhoods no you're not bringing those people into my neighborhood they got so much pushback. They, oh, okay, we'll find a new place. And they couldn't find new places. The places they, they could live are the enclaves of other, of the 25% of the other African Americans living uh, around the city. And one woman stood and told a story of this. She remembered when they moved, they, they then moved to another neighborhood. And uh, uh, as, after they moved into the neighborhood, three for sale signs went up on the street within two weeks after they moved there. Now, that, that, that is not the kingdom of God. That is not the way of Jesus. That is the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of the devil himself, and Jesus is better than that. So as the church, we enter into that. And so we did. That's why the church had this. And so we then prayed a prayer of lament, where we cried out to God, said, we're sorry. This is broken. This is evil. And we read Isaiah 58 that, that talks about the true fast, caring for the, the hungry and the homeless. And it says that if we're about the ways of God, that we will rebuild the city. 
And then um, the, the last then piece was, was Jake Samad, who's a, a child of this church, who's the vice president of the Urban Redevelopment Corporation for the College Hill neighborhood. And he stood up and said, now what we're about is rebuilding this neighborhood, learning from those errors, wanting to be about, and he didn't use this language, but it was what he was saying, wanting to be about the kingdom of God so that it would be rebuilt in a way that is in alignment with God's kingdom and the way of Jesus. That's... Just how far the kingdom of God goes and what Jesus is inviting us to participate in. And that's, that's then what, where he moves then. He then says, so the kingdom of God is here. It is near. It is in me. Now, repent. Repent and trust. Believe this good news. Now, repent is a word that means change your direction, change your very mind, change the way you are going. You know, it gets it gets a bad rap. You know, just like you know, evangelical gets a bad rap because it's used in in, uh, as a political term these days. That's when you when you hear it in the newspaper most uh, often or on the news. That that's what it's about. It's not about the good news of the kingdom of God. So that gets bad. So does repent. Repent gets a bad rap because it's been misused so so often. But repent means no, change. Change from the way that is not good. Change from the way of the world or change from the way of your own way. Change and follow the way that is better, which is the way of Jesus. And trust that this is good news, that he indeed is bringing the kingdom, that to follow him, to obey him, to, to have him live in and through you is the way of heaven. Even now. And that's what we're going to be walking through as we go through the, this gospel. And that's what he, he then invites the first four disciples to here. And you, you see his, his invitation to them as he goes to them. They're, they're about their business. They're, all these guys are fishers, fishermen. And, and, and Jesus says, right, follow me. And what do they do? They leave their nets. Yeah. Uh, James and John leave their dad. They don't leave him alone to fend for himself. There's some other folks with him. They leave their dad and their nets. You know, so they leave family and work. I mean, two of the greatest necessary connections, allegiances of our day. Work, and they, they left them and turned from them in order to follow Jesus. Here's... And here's then the challenge from this. Here's here's the word from this. All right, well, what do we do? And maybe, you know, if you're still with me, if you haven't turned off and playing whatever on your phone, if you're still tracking, all right, you're maybe saying, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let that temptation get me anymore. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. You can't do it on your own. You know, because, you know, even though donut day is only one day, well, there's another day and another day and another day, and those donuts are still calling my name. You know, Jesus doesn't say to those fishermen, all right, now, I want you to go, go do the kingdom out there. What is his command? Go ahead. What is his command? Follow me. 
And what will Jesus do? I will make you fishers of people. Now, I I think if uh, they'd been carpenters, he would have said, I will make you builders of people. If they'd been farmers, he would have said, I will make you farmers of people. Follow me. So they, they didn't stop fishing. I mean, we see them fishing in other times along the way. So it's, it's, you still use the gifts and abilities and who God has made you and created you to be, but you do it for Him. You're following after Him. And then as you're following Him, He will change you. Cause He's better even than me. He's better than you. And that's what this summer is about. Following Him. Walking in the, the, the gospel of Mark. Yeah, you, you're gonna, you got a devotional book that's here, it's online, that, that you've read, that you've written actually, um, that uh, walks through. We'll have a Bible study on Tuesday nights, seven to eight, just talking through this and just your own, and in your own place, in your own home, and in your own walk with God. To take advantage of this time this summer. Not to, to, to understand the gospel of Mark. Not to, to grasp the apocalyptic use of kingdom metaphor that Mark uses. But to meet with Jesus. To see and experience that he's better. To follow after him. And have it, it impact every area of your life. I mean, it... It's a whole life journey. And my hope, my encouragement for each of us is to say, is to recognize this, this is good news. This is better than anything else you could do. But to follow him and experience his truth in the kingdom of God that he has brought in us. And through us and to us. Amen.